Hey, my name is Tiffany Vaughn, and I'm on a mission to help regular people like me find their voice and then use it for lifting themselves and others up around them. I'm a small town mom to three kiddos with my hubby James, and man, have we been dealing with a lot. But isn't everyone? I lovingly call it our hard, beautiful journey, and I bet that yours is too. In season one, I tossed the bricks from my shoulders that were weighing me down. Bricks that represented shame, embarrassment, regret, loss, you name it, I was feeling it. I am now taking those bricks and building up a stronger foundation for myself and our family. I've created this safe space for me and you to open our hearts and our minds and to use our voices to help others know they are not alone in their struggles. Mental health, marriage and divorce, infertility, parenting, and some soul journey work are all topics that we discuss here. Let's be real for a minute. Life can definitely be hard, but it can also be so dang beautiful. Am I right? So pull up a cozy seat, grab your beverage of choice, and join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, welcome to Hard Beautiful Journey. Thanks so much for being here today. There are two things that I hope come from this episode. The first is that you will get so much value from it for you and your family. And the second is that you will share it with as many people as humanly possible. This episode is a lighthouse. And I don't know about you, but lighthouses have always signified safety and comfort. Gina Peth is back for the third installment of our three-part series to talk about the incredible program that she has developed to help families work together, to set up social and emotional support systems, provide social technology training, and implement the right technology strategies that will help build a positive online experience and encourage open family communication. She will also talk about an amazing collaboration that she has started with my friend and previous guest, Craig Gustafson. You'll want to hear about this for sure. Here is my interview with Gina. Hello, Gina. So nice to have you back again. I've missed you. (laughs) (laughs) You've been with me for, this will be the third episode in a row, and I absolutely love having you on my show because you are one of the smartest people that I have ever met actually. And I'm not just saying that I'm really not just saying that because, uh, like I've said in my last two episodes with Gina, Gina was part of our family dynamic last fall when we took her beta program and it was so insightful. And so that is where we're going to, what we're going to talk about this episode, because I know in my soul, (laughs) how valuable this information is for families, especially families with teenagers, preteens and teenagers. But I think it's also valuable for, for parents with any kids in general. Um, So episode 38, we talked with Gina about her early life with her four kids. And then last episode, we talked with Gina and her stepson, Bradley, And in that episode, it came up about one of, um, one of the situations where technology 
played a part in some of the issues that were coming into your family. And so that's where we're going to start today is kind of go into how, how that impacted you right from the beginning. Yeah. So I really appreciate you letting me share this part of my story because this is where I can take those tough times and turn them into something that can be super useful for other families. My reasoning around that is, um, as I share during this time, it was very difficult and very lonely. And, um, I don't want that for anyone else to have to experience that. So, you know, I have, um, a total of seven kids. So there's the, my first four and then my two stepsons, And then I have my husband and I have a son together. And so we, the, the age range is thirties all the way down to 15. So if you can imagine, I experienced the tech boom. So I, when I first went to college for technology and learning, that was part of my story in my other episodes, um, creating websites, dynamic websites was brand new. Um, my space was coming out. Like it was just, there was, there was very little interaction that really needed to be monitored at that point. And then of course there was MySpace, and then it went to Facebook and then now it's televisions and it's refrigerators and Thanks. cell phones, right? Um, and all of these expanded from just being kind of flat HTML type information to um, searchable content and then to really dynamic where people you know, can communicate and connect. And almost every app has some sort of social component. So when you think back in the beginning um, with technology, it, 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 how technology rapidly grows, it was really hard even back then when my stepsons were teenagers to keep track of what was going on because, you know, you would, and, and I, and, and Grant, I'm in technology. So you have to remember, like, I'm learning this stuff. I'm building software. And I'm still not keeping up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the story around that is that, you know, getting an iPad in the house was like the very first generation iPad was really exciting. And I remember thinking, I'm going to turn this into a central calendar location so I know what's going on. And I set it up on our wall and we were going to use it so that I could communicate back and forth from my iPhone to the iPad and people could like grocery list could be dynamic. I thought, man, I got this, I got this down. This was before we had, you know, the Amazon, you know, where you can just tell Amazon from your Alexa, (laughs) Alexa, you know, order this. Right. So I was kind of like creating my own Alexa back then. (laughs) You were. Um, And I thought it was really great until I realized that my stepsons realized that that device could get them into um, a portal outside of the home that was very dark and dangerous. And it wasn't until months into this that I discovered that that was happening. And when I discovered that, it opened up my mind to what else am I missing? So I looked 
at phones and realized that even the flip phone had the capacity to go onto the internet and look at stuff. Even the, um, the iPod, the very first generations of iPod could go to the internet. I mean, the screens it were could. like, I don't know, two inch by two inch. Yeah, maybe. it could. I did not know yes, that. Yes, yes. And um, you could send messages and all these things through it. So I started looking at their devices and I freaked out. It was really, uh, really inappropriate adult content. You know, when we think of adult content, even I struggle. So I know people who haven't thought about what teenagers are looking at right now, they think of like Playboy or Playgirl or something, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like that's bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. We don't want teenagers looking at that, but I'm talking about content that is um, scary and violent and very, very graphic and very, very confusing for a child's mind especially pre-puberty and then into puberty and what that's creating in their brain. And um, they're, you know, our brains are connected to our feel-good sensors. And so it was very confusing for them. They got really locked into it. They had trauma that I shared about that, their trauma in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. And so their trauma response was a really negative down cycle in in that area. And my older kids, my, my first four, they've told me stories since then in the last year about how, well, you know, mom, we actually, you we know, was, I think it was AOL. Like, you know, you could actually Way go and like meet messenger. People. Yeah. Wasn't it? Messenger <laughs> was like, really? Yeah. And it wasn't quite like it is now, but, um, even back then there, there were some things. So during that process of discovering that it was, quite a nightmare because there wasn't any technology solutions. Then I was finding out that they were going on a TV and getting to YouTube on my smart TV that I thought was so exciting that I brought into the house. And then I realized, great, this is another hole for them to crawl in mm-hmm. to, um, they were so addicted. It got to the point that they were taking devices and they were, um, you know, breaking in through my passwords to my own devices. And we were trying everything. We were in counseling, all of that. So just to kind of recap, I think I talked about this a little bit before, but most states, and I I believe this is in Canada too, when it comes to mental health, children have the right to seek mental health, at the age of 13 and also deny mental health at the age of 13. So that was a huge struggle for us because finding somebody that they could go to to get the right help, because this was all new, being addicted to technology was really, really new, was really hard to find the right people. And the laws weren't helpful because they could deny, they could not participate if they didn't want to. And so it just became really, traumatizing as a family to the point to where there is severe division in our family because of the technology overuse and the darkness of what had happened. And basically, you know, the cell phones that we had originally were the flip phones, right? Do you remember those, the Blackberries, right? That were Uh, like, right. And then now we we, we got in, the, we're in this fast paced, fast growth society that we aren't stopping long enough to realize the capacity that these devices have. And so 
when we say we're giving our kids a phone because they want a phone, we're giving them a mini adult device that has the ability to reach adult content. That's what we're giving them. It's not the phone of the age where it was a flip phone that could barely get out. I have to tell you at one point, I got a phone call from the phone company from Verizon and there was an $850 phone bill. Oh, in one month, my Lord. Yeah. (laughs) And this was all when everything, everything was popping up. Like I'm realizing someone's watching YouTube on TV, my iPad, my one, one, at one point, my one, one kid got on my laptop and got a virus and it deleted, um, over 10,000 pictures. Oh no. Like done. Oh, I, I, I cried. I literally sat on my floor in my living room and cried. I was like, just like, what I'm is having happening? an allergic reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I was in shock. And at that point in time, getting that call, I was just like, this is out of control. And apparently they were able to um, use the phone to access a porn site and purchase stuff. And then also, you know, you didn't have unlimited data plans back then. Yeah, no. So this was a real $850 bill that took me, they let me break it. They were nice and let me break it up in five payments. Thank you very much. Thank what you. I told them was, if this ever happens again, shut my phone off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Deny me service. This is ridiculous. Yeah. At least they called her like, hey, we're letting you know that there's been a, you know, uh, a difference in what you normally, your usage. <laughs> well, like, you're really, normal. Normal is none. Because I didn't <laughs> even know I could get on the internet. <laughs> no, but like, what was your normal bill on a month? The normal bill is like 50 bucks. <laughs> okay, people. Right. Come on, Verizon. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they do have those controls in place now, which is good. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I'll tell you my Apple story uh, in a little bit when it comes to uh, Apple devices and, and, and my Apple account, because that was a different child. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago. Oh, no. um, but anyway, so because of that, I really had to dig in and learn a lot. And I have taken several courses. I knowing all my technology and really getting into it and having seven children and seven teens running through the house. Plus I have grandchildren. I really made it my mission to learn as much as I can. And then just naturally I share it with as many people as I can. Mm -hmm. So with the knowledge and my concern, I started really trying to understand the different platforms and one thing that I want the listeners to understand is these platforms. So all the gaming systems, all the social networking platforms, they aren't looking for our best interest. They are looking for consumers Mm -hmm. and they are looking to grow business. And it's kind of like a lot of industries where you know, they try to make uh, women look really beautiful and sexy to sell all their products and to make you feel bad so that you have to have all of these products, right? So there's this, there's a component in all of the platforms to hook us. And as adults, we struggle, right? Oh, do we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can imagine our children who don't have 
that ability or the knowledge or the experience to draw from, they're really getting hooked. So I want to unpack some of those. Can I unpack some of those? Absolutely. Let's hear. hear okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to cover um, apps and devices, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about games. So apps and devices, they will claim that the things that they have implemented are for our security. Okay. But really it's promoting hiding. It's promoting disappearing information. It's promoting secretness, mm -hmm. right? In our families. So we get a kid a device and then almost even these devices now. So if you have an Apple phone, you can hide contacts. You can hide, um, you can have different apps and then hide them so that they're not even on your phone. So as you're a parent, you could scroll through and think, oh, I don't see any of these apps on my kid's phone. Well, they're hidden. There's ways to hide them. Mm -hmm. um, or the contacts, There's you can hide pictures. Now, the platforms and companies are saying that they're doing this for security, right? Because if, you know, if you, you, should, you should have that security and, and the ability to hide this information if you want to do that as an adult, but they're not adults. Right. So we don't know what they're hiding, right? So we need yeah. to be concerned about that. Um, so it creates this sense of, of um, secretness. And, you, and most people aren't even aware that you can hide this information. Um, so, so to be aware about that. Now, most apps have this as well. So a lot of apps will have hidden features, ways to hide things and, or disappear. You know, you can send a message and it disappears. I was so disappointed with Messenger developed that because I was just ready to start saying, okay, messenger looks like it could be safe if you put these safeguards around it. And then they add this feature that you can't block. Right. And so part Facebook of the, messenger, are you talking about? Uh, Facebook messenger. Yeah. 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 So, part, you know, cause Instagram does that and, and Snapchat, but now that messenger does, it's like, ah, oh. so part of the problem is if we knew that they cared about us and our families, they would create features that would help us have control parent control. Mm -hmm. Right. And they don't do that. Like true parent control, true parent control. And the other thing around that is if your child is over the age of 13, especially in the States, and I'm sure in Canada yep. as well, um, from my understanding is that they don't need your consent for a lot of what they can do. So they can't, you're not supposed to sign up for Facebook until you're 13. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sorry. <laughs> You can. My 13 year old is going through puberty. And so they need parent controls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that is like when they need parent controls. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not when they get the freedom, when they've got all the hormones rushing through their body. Yeah. So we need to understand there's adult content too out there that we normally wouldn't maybe even consider. So Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So when we go to Pinterest, Tiffany, I don't look up to see naked bodies. That's not my thing. No, I I'm looking for, um, like house decorating Yeah, kitchen <laughs> towels. Like how, do, what's the cutest kitchen towels out there? How are people making their kitchen cute for cheap? Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, there's, there's inappropriate adult content on Pinterest. I would not even remotely think to go right. there. And that is crazy. Yeah. Pinterest. Yeah. And and it's on even some of the collage apps and collage software. So if you tell a kid, hey, go build a collage for yourself and they load up their own pictures and then they might start searching um, and then things pop up and then it's like, wow, that that they didn't know those, that was in there. Yeah. So when I work with kids, with teens in my program, 
I do um, have them use a couple of tools, but I have to check these tools out and I constantly have to check them out because here's the thing that we don't think about is these devices have apps that get updated without us really re realizing. I had one parent say, oh, but I have to approve all the updates. So I know what's happening. So when my, the updates, my, my son gives me his phone, she said, and then I go and I approve all the updates. And I'm like, do you read them? Do you like literally go on and find out if they added a chat function or not, or the hide function or the secret function? Or like when you, when you said upgrade, update and then you clicked the consent did you read the consent did you know that they're taking every move and location of where your child is i mean and then her face kind of turned ghost white and she's like no i don't i don't yeah. do that yeah <laughs> so there's just things that i that i love to tell talk to parents about to help them and so there's you know kids youtube is 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 always considered good but that's very commercialized Mm -hmm. And so we have to even consider that, like how much of that Hulu, Netflix, all those don't have the right types of controls on those. And Discord is a really, really popular app. And that one, I would say, um, I definitely can share more information if when people come into my group, if they want more on that. But Discord is very dangerous. And I'm going to share a story <clears throat> about Discord in a little bit. But one of the things that, that parents also don't understand is algorithms for these types of device, device apps is you might think, we know algorithms, there's been a lot of knowledge now that algorithms are tracking you. And if you say something out loud, almost like I want to um, go to Hawaii, <laughs> I want to go to Hawaii, all of a sudden every Hawaii ad pops up and somehow it knows, right? Mm -hmm. So we know we're trapped that way. But the algorithms, and so the algorithms are actually tracking how much time you're even just pausing on an ad, not even clicking on it, but just pausing, right? What Contemplating it. <laughs> right. It's so, so there's that. So here's the thing about algorithms so that I don't think we realize. Some parents tell me, well, I log in to my kid's app on my phone and I kind of can see what they're seeing and what they're doing. But algorithms and cookies will look differently on your device, Tiffany, than on your child's device. So you're not going to see everything that your child sees mm -hmm. because they have a different algorithm than you and they have a different cookie, set of cookies to track what you've looked at and where you've been. So you might look at it as Tiffany <laughs> looking through their app, let's say Instagram, yep. and you're searching and you're pausing to look right. It's catching you. Yeah. Not them. And it's logging it onto your device, not them. So you literally need to go to their devices. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing is too, is our teens are really brilliant and they know they can have multiple logins and multiple setups for all of these um, types of platforms as well. So when they need to show mom, that right mm -hmm. then they go they log on to their mom version of instagram so that mom can see what they're doing on that and they don't go to their hidden instagram profile so why i'm sharing this is not to scare and freak people out on doomsday because really the message that i have to start helping parents unpack is it's really all about communication absolutely we can't stop all of this it's just, we're getting flooded and inundated, but we can control the communication. We can take some of the controls back. 
and start learning some of this stuff. So games, let's go to games. <clears throat> games, they spend millions of dollars picking the best music and the best graphics to keep our kids engaged. That's their whole their whole point. It's like a casino. I don't know if you've walked into a casino and it has that, that music. The smell and the music. Yes, yes. The smell, I don't know how people stay there with the smell. But the music is so enticing, mm-hmm. right? And when somebody wins, it's this big, huge, you know, loud, oh, celebrate, yeah, celebration, even if it's five cents, woo, they want something, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what these g- games do. They, they literally spend millions of dollars to entice us so that our kids stay on longer. All the platforms are try to keep you engaged as long as possible. They don't care if it's healthy. They don't care that you've been on it for three hours and they, you know, should, should literally t- kick you off. They just want to entice you. And they create a scarcity. So most games, let's take, um, let's take uh, um, Roblox. That's the only one I can think of at the moment. They will put items out for sale and you only have so much time. Your kid only has so much time or they have to give you a certain level to get it or whatever, right? And so they create that scarcity where they're constantly feeling like I have to grind to get to the level, to get to earn the points, to get what I want. Mm -hmm. and if you play long enough, you realize that whatever that special hat was that you were going for, because I don't know if anybody knows Roblox, it's really ridiculous because they're (laughs) buying virtual clothes for their virtual square bodies in this game, but anyways, they, they will recycle those eventually if you play long enough, but you, but kids don't know that. So they're like, mom, mom, I have to get this. You don't understand. I can't get off if I get off or if I don't log on tomorrow at one o'clock in the middle of my school day and get there in time, uh, they will sell out. Like they think it's that important. So games I have are- heard this conversation just in the last week with homeschooling. Yeah. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and all the money that has to get going to these games. And so one of the things I'm going to try to add to my program is a module around accounting to help them understand how much they're spending and what the worth of what they think they're buying. Because in the game, they'll tell them you can buy this, then you can upsell or you can trade. And I don't know about if your kids have traded, I would recommend nobody do trading because my kids, grandkids have been ripped off so many times. They'll go to trade and then the person just takes all the stuff and leaves. (laughs) I think that will be a valuable module. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing I just learned um, a couple weeks ago about games is that it's going to be even more commercialized. Coca-Cola, Tommy Hilfiger, figure, how do you say that brand, all those brands, all those popular brands, pink, they are making deals with game developers and platforms to sell their products on the game devices. So you can buy a fake can of Coca-Cola for your little Roblox guy to carry around. Oh my goodness. You can buy a jean sport backpack Mm -hmm. for your Roblox character. But only for a certain amount of time. For a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money. And and then it's not popular. And then it's the next thing. It's the newer color, right? Mm -hmm. So they're they're um, commercializing games and they're commercializing, you're going to see more commercialism even in movies because all these brands are realizing that we can, we cannot watch commercials anymore. 
mm-hmm. right? We've, we've, we can record shows and skip the commercials. So now they're investing in actually paying for higher prices and movies to have product um, being developed. So that's just something to think about. I've actually seen that in shows recently too, where they're actually product placements are very obvious. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the, the uh, writer I was talking to a film writer, I was talking to about this and he does uh, this for visual. He teaches visual storytelling. He was telling me that, that they're even writing scripts. So some of the like Coca-Cola is trying to write movie scripts now so they can actually control the placement of the where product. their product is yeah what right oh my god yeah so it's go. it's moving away from the saturday cartoons mm-hmm. for commercializing because kids aren't watching saturday cartoons do you know why they're not watching saturday cartoon cartoons anymore tiffany no please tell me because they're on games oh, <laughs> they're yeah. on their devices right that's where my kids are <laughs> Yeah. So they're losing money with Saturday cartoon day. So now they've got to figure that out. So those are, those are just, that's just a tip of what I teach on, but just to give people some idea, I want to talk about a little more about the dangers that are out there. And I don't like to, I don't like to use scare tactics um, a lot, but it's, it is real. I even um, asked Dr. Drew about kids and being on devices and the dangers and addictions. And so he um, actually recorded me a message uh, to help promote my, my business because of it. So there, the danger of luring is not what we think it is. We sometimes think that a kid is going to be playing a game and they're going to make a friend on a game and then they're going to try to lure them outside. Now that does happen, mm-hmm. but it's much more slyer than that it's 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 very um in depth and it's very slow the grooming type the grooming luring is really slow so how it would start out and i have a story around this is your child's playing a game and they are friends and they allow their and they're friends with their friends friends they don't know that their friends friends isn't really friends (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so if you follow me Mm-hmm. You know, your son might be playing with Johnny's friends. And, and, and because of that, he has a trust. Well, they're Johnny's friends. Mm-hmm. So they must be trustworthy because I trust Johnny. Yep. And now these unknown people are friending and they could be innocently playing along for months, months, giving, uh, you know, high fives, you know, like, and praising when they win a game, trade, making really good trades, like building that trust factor that makes the kid think that they're great. They might even hear a kid voice if you, if you allow them to have those types of conversations through the game apps and think it's a kid. And then it'll start to be like grooming, luring them to different games luring them to discord which is a platform for for um, people to communicate with games so so discord is a great concept it's if i'm on a game i can blast to all my discord friends hey i'm on this game come play with me mm-hmm. and you can chat you can have group chat you can have group calls you can have group facetimes it's it was great until it isn't great any longer 
So they get lured into that and then they get lured out of, out of the safe zone and discord into private, um, to private servers. And they're being taught and groomed how to do this and how to do it in a way that parents can't track. Right. Yeah. And then they'll have conversations. So my son was groomed, um, and for a little bit, and it got to the point to where he had to, uh, he came to me and told me what was going on and that he was really nervous about it and didn't know how to now stop it. And so it had gotten from, it was first started in, in a game like Roblox and then it moved to discord and then it moved to a private server and then it got inappropriate and he, and he didn't, wasn't sure how to get out of it. And so we talked it through. Thank God so, he did that though. Yeah. Yeah. We have a very open conversation. That's one of the things I teach parents is how to start those conversations so that the kid doesn't feel like you're just coming at them and you just, you know, want to know everything about them and all the rules and all that. So there, the other, the other danger in this is the physical and mental health. So physical and mental health is an issue because kids are staying, staying still longer. Their bodies are shutting down. They can have bowel issues. They can either be really constipated or have diarrhea or like their body just can't process food anymore correctly. They stop eating. They don't want to eat because they don't want to get off the game or they're eating while they're playing the game, which is super unhealthy for our bodies. And then the mental health is they're so glued to the game that they're, they're, they're more connected to the virtual world than they are the human world. And so mentally, they're not getting those mental, those mental skills and they're those, those cues, they're not getting the empathy cue. Right. They're not getting, and they're becoming a different person online than they are in real life because online they could be more courageous than in real life. Right. Right. And so they're starting to alter their personalities and prefer their online life than their, than their real life. So those are real dangers there. And the other one is that they, they can get, they can become trapped in these things. So, you know, there's situations out there where girls or boys will send pictures and they might not even be super inappropriate. They just might be really embarrassing pictures or they sent texts, private text messages. And then those people can hold it against them and send them out and blackmail them and, and um, stress them out. And um, we know their stories out there are clearly of bullying and um, suicide from these types of things happening. And recently within the last um, the last couple of months, there, there was a, a young girl who um, committed suicide live on her TikTok account because of being bullied. And so there, and being trapped and feeling like she didn't have anyone to share with. And so part of that is we need to, we need to understand that even though we tell our kids, don't go and create these channels, don't go and don't go on these apps, don't go on YouTube, don't whatever, right? They are. So mm-hmm. we need to have open conversations around those because they're seeing things that are altering their ability, their emotions, and they don't know to come to you and tell you that they saw something. So another, another one of that is when uh, Mr. Floyd was all over the news, right? And so then you have all these young kids seeing it on YouTube and they don't have the ability to understand. We as adults don't have the ability. Have a hard time. <laughs> understand what it was like yeah. right mm-hmm. so now the kids are and they aren't able to come and talk to their parents mm-hmm. and the reason I bring up the F- Floyd is because that's something we know about 
But there is so much of that that's not brought up and that we don't know about out there that they know more than us. We just have to go in knowing that they have witnessed because we're not looking for it. Our algorithms aren't bringing it up for us. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what's out there. And so that's kind of, that, that's my, one of my concerns for, for the danger. And the, the last piece around that being kind of feeling trapped is there's, there's a term called sad fishing. And what that is, it's kind of a new phenomenon. And it's where somebody in the group is really wanting attention. So you have all these, all these kids are in groups. You might not know they're in groups. You might think they play with three friends, but it, it's probably bigger than that. And one of the person will feel really left out. And so they will literally tell horrific stories to hook your kids to feel sorry for them. And the whole group, their whole goal is the kid, the whole group to feel sorry for them. They will tell outrageous things um, and they will get the whole group to feel sad to where they can't stop the conversation. And so this happened with my son. He was, there was a girl in the group and she would talk, was talking about cutting and injuring herself. And when it got too much for the group, they kind of started ignoring her messages. And then she started sending pictures and videos. Oh my goodness. And it got to where my son came to me and he was in tears and he said, I don't, I feel really bad because I blocked this person. And now I don't know if they've actually ended, did something really bad to themselves. And I had to block it because I didn't, I couldn't look at the messages anymore. It was just too much for me. So we have these kids walking around carrying the load of what other kids are going through and they don't know they can come to adults. Right. And so we talked about how that was too much for him and he did the right thing. And if that kid really needs help, then they, it's not our, it's not your child's responsibility to make sure that they get help. Yeah. So we need to understand that if our kids are winging out or feel depressed and we don't know why they, there might be this hidden world that they're going through online stressors that like, like Tiffany, if you were coming to me and you were telling me that you were injuring yourself or you had suicidal ideology, or you were addicted to uh, adult content. I, as an adult, would really have a heavy heart mm -hmm. and wanting to help you, right? Absolutely, yeah. But I have skills to say, hey, Tiff, you're, you've crossed that line. You mm -hmm. really need help. I'm going to give you names of some trauma people. Like, you really need help. But these teenagers don't know that. They're thinking they're stuck. Like, I have to friend this friend. I have to be, whenever this friend messages me, I need to be on it. Mm -hmm. I need to be there or they're going to hurt themselves. Right. Yeah. So they, they get these really warped relationships. So that's, what's happening. Okay. So what I'm trying to help parents do is unpack that. And I'm developing what I call the family communication and technology strategy. And Tiffany, you came to my first beta program in that. And so out of this framework that I've developed, which is, which includes the four pillars of um, defense that I teach parents about, and then the two foundations of, of community engagement and community relationships that, that, that families need. And so in that framework, I'm developing content that helps parents learn how to have these conversations as parents and take ownership, right? Mm -hmm. And how to have the conversation with the teenagers and start setting up some boundaries. So my goal is to help transform the, the conversations and the communication around technology so that it's beneficial, it's purposeful, 
the family is intentional and they can come up with strategies and create boundaries around Mm -hmm. technology and technologies because technology is not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And if your kid, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, I don't know what's happening. It's this black box and I don't know. And your, your gut response is I'm going to take it away. That can actually cause a real negative experience for your child, especially if they are addicted and they can become um, extremely emotionally distraught, like you've never seen. Mm -hmm. They could have suicidal ideologies, self-harm, threats, all kinds of things. So what's best is to, you know, find the resources like what I'm creating to help you wean your child off while you give them other avenues to build connection. And uh, so, so that's some of the content that I'm building. It's amazing. I cannot wait for people to look at this more. Um, I had a quick question. So I know you're talking about technology, but with this communication framework, do you think that this could apply to other addictions like um, vaping? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because that is like crazy yeah. right now. Definitely vaping, bullying, you know, anything that is, you know, really difficult when, when kids are doing those things, they're really trying to belong and be social, right? So vaping is actually kind of a social thing, right? Mm -hmm. Even bullying can be a social thing. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel comfortable. They don't know what to do. So bullying somehow gets them a reaction. And so Um, you know, there's kids out there that are as sweet as can be at home. And then they're an absolute bully online, or they're an absolute bully on the playground and their parents don't know. And then the parents feel guilty and they get blamed and it's not them. It's the kid trying to unpack their own trauma, their own situations. And then as parents, they want to hide it. They don't know what to do with it. So what I am trying to create is a real safe zone for parents to not feel judged because all kids are different, right? Some kids you can give a cell phone to and some kids you just can't, mm-hmm. right? Some kids I would let drive when they were 16 and other kids I'd say, sorry, you like, you, you don't have the, you don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to make proper decisions. You're not driving till you're 18. Right. And that's just how you have to manage in a family. So I'm creating a group a Facebook group, I'm actually looking at different technologies to take it outside of Facebook, where we can communicate and connect more face-to-face as parents. Because I know, Tiffany, what you experienced in my program was the benefit of parents seeing other parents and hearing the voices of other parents and their concerns. Absolutely. That that alone was so beneficial to both James and I is first of all, the community of it, right. And just knowing that they're, you're not alone and, and hearing some of their personal experiences and then realizing that, oh my goodness, this actually could be happening for us as well. And there are so many different combinations of things that could be going on (laughs) that the more, the more group work that you can do, to talk about this stuff, the more that you can be in the know and know, like hear their, their ideas on what worked for their communication style. doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but it might. Right. Yeah. And I think what I try to do in that 
program is create some tools that, that that parents can have to take away and use at home and utilize. So I've created some infographics to kind of help them step through some of this stuff and unpack it a little bit more. Right now I'm excited because I'm creating an, an ebook on how to manage apps and games with some real practical tips. Um, you know, I, I go through just the awareness of what's going on, how to unpack the awareness, how to have those conversations. I always, in all of my tools, bring it back to the conversation bring it back to what parents say to me is I want a better relationship with my child. I'm losing my child. How do I get that? You know, teens aren't even necessarily rolling their eyes anymore at their parents. Cause you don't even get to see their eyes because they're literally looking down at a device. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we need to, we need to get back to forms of communication. Do you think Gina that ultimately they say they don't want to be around you or they don't want to interact with you, but do you really think deep down they actually do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When your teenager's pushing you away, that's when they need you the most. Mm -hmm. That is what I heard time and time again. Yeah. And you just can't, uh, you just need to be there to listen. Right. So I would say the tip would be to be more curious about what's going on without giving so much construction or being, you know, uh, combative or confrontive, right? Just being really curious. Mm -hmm. Like if your child's kind of going off, you could just say, wow, you know, I've really noticed a lot of stress lately. I'm really sorry that you're stressed out. Mm -hmm. You don't have to come out and say, wow, you don't have to be a jerk to me. Mm -hmm. I'm your mom, you know, (laughs) that'll shut them down. (laughs) Uh, guilty. I've learned, I'm not saying that is not what has come out of my mouth for like 20 years, but mm-hmm. I am saying that with my younger kids, um, and at what I've learned is being really more just about being curious mm-hmm. and giving them the ability. So like, you know, I, I, I constantly say things to my son to help promote those conversations. Another tool that I, I like to tell people about, there's all kinds of conversational cards there's, um, that are out there that you can get on Amazon. And for a long time, we would pull a card at night and, uh, read the card and we both answer the question mm-hmm. and that gets the conversation. And I would be as authentic and transparent as I could. And, you know, I, I of course I age appropriately, right? right. So yeah. if they're really little, I'm not going to tell them certain things, but as they get older, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I really struggled with this this is a good one about like what happens if you're at a party and kids are smoking, mm-hmm. you know, you can start having those conversations to help them set boundaries. Cause Tiffany, the number one thing that we need to do as parents is help them learn to set healthy time limits and healthy boundaries. Yeah. So I don't teach lock everything down and throw away the key and don't give your kids anything because they're going to go to college someday and they should know how to set up their own router so that if they're in a dorm with people that they can block content from even entering their dorms. Mm -hmm. They can be wise enough that when they have their own families that they're going to, they're going to have that. They're not going to rely on their, on their parent. And one, one of the stories I just recently shared was I hired a young guy out of college and he was brilliant. He was my rock star employee, software developer. He moved out after he got the job. Six months later, he moved out. He started showing up late. He started falling asleep on the job. And I had to put him on, you know, 
disciplinary plans and all of that, told him to go take a week off. Like I didn't know what was going on. Came back, he was even worse. I had to fire him. He came back about a year later and apologized and told me he was highly addicted to games and he couldn't stop playing games because he left his mother's house. This kid's like 23, 24, already went to college, like had a degree, smart kid. But his mom was still setting up the boundaries of when he could play games or not. Yeah. When he'd get up and was waking him up in the morning for work. He moves out on his own. He fails. He falls flat on his face. We don't want that for kids. No, no, we don't. <laughs> but he thanked me and he went and got a job and he works at AT&T and he's doing great. So, you know, I have mentored employees. I have mentored different families and this type of stuff. And, and in that process now I'm developing you know content that I can that I can share the other thing that I'm working on is um, a workbook called trim back technology and it will include videos um, and it will be uh, one of the one of the things that I try to to create in these tools is steps so that it can be implementable right it's just not reading it and then you don't have an action step but you need to implement and then I always create a component of set a date and a time where you're going to redo this because it's never going to be done, Tiffany. These apps are going to constantly be updated. New apps are going to come out. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's all this stuff that we constantly, it, it's not as bad as it sounds, but if we set a time and a date and we say, okay, three months from now, I'm going to recycle through the apps and I'm going to see what's there and I'm going to learn what I need to learn and pay attention, that type of thing. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. Unbelievable. I had a question. So when we worked through this with you, there was a group component with the actual teens. Are yes. you going to have that as well? Yes. So my, my, so I, I offer a couple of different levels of stuff. So first of all, it's just getting some of the, the content that I build out that people can use on their own and, and read. And some of it's free and some of it's really low cost. Cause I really want to get this out for families. And then the program itself um, it has, you know, I meet with parents once a week for six weeks, six to eight weeks on zoom. And then I meet with teens as well on a different time and walk them through. And so with the teenagers, I really help them to learn to be purposeful with technology and think of technology in a way of not just numbing out, um, not just keeping themselves busy to be busy, but what can they do? How can they be future thinking? So we create like a vision board and we talk about, um, you know, our future board and, and what they want to do in life and then how can they get there and then how and break that piece down further and further so that they have some action steps. And so one of the young ladies wanted to be a pilot. So we talked about all the different things, you know, that she could try to look into and who she could follow that was a pilot, like, you know, have her be more mission centered on what she's doing with, with technology, you know, what YouTube things could she watch about being a woman pilot, you know, yep. what's out there for that. So we, we do that. Um, we do talk about some of the, the danger zones and I do coach them on how to go to their parents with some of this information and there's homework on both sides. So parents get homework and the teens get homework and it's all communication. So I tell the parents, here's your homework. Now go talk to your child. And mm -hmm. then the child, here's your homework night, but you need your parent because you need to go talk to your parent and, and work through some of those. And it's really helping kind of build that strategy. And at the end of the program, I'm hoping parents walk away with a communication strategy and a kind of a technology strategy of how they're going to manage. Um, you know, I, I think that parents, 
sometimes one of the things that we talk about in that um, that we cover is kind of check yourself and, and make sure as a parent that you're not giving into peer pressure because, you know, you, other parents are giving their kids devices and you know, your kid's not ready, but you, you feel like your kid's being left out. And they tell you, every child will say to you, Tiffany, every child, you're the only parent that doesn't let me play till midnight. You're the only parent that restricts my game time. You're the only parent whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And parents can get caught up. I would get caught up. I'd be like, really? And I'd start looking around like, really does every single kid have Snapchat? Um, and why (laughs) you want to hear my, our dilemma with, I don't see, I'm calling it a dilemma and I don't even know if it is, but so a lot of people don't have home phones anymore. And Avery is of the babysitting age and in order for her to babysit some people, she has to have a device in order to communicate. If something were to go, if something were to happen on these babysitting jobs. So, you know, like it's, you're in a catch 22, like, do you give them your device or how does that, how does that work? Right. Right. If you were to ask me that question, I would say to you, if you felt that your child needed a device, right. For those types of things, there are devices out there, our phone phones, and some of them now there's there's, they look like smartphones and their gab is one of them. And there's also another, another phone. Uh, I can't pinwheel is another one. And they, some of them now are actually letting you um, connect with like Verizon and, and TNT, but most of them have their own little plan, but they're not very expensive. So it's, that'd be the good first phone. Mm-hmm. Or there's the watches, the gizmo watch. So they can call and you can set what numbers they are. So let's say it's the gizmo watch. She can only call or text and the messages are like pre-programmed text messages, like help. I need, there's a house fire or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she could set it where you, it would be you and your husband and then whoever the babysitter, you know, whoever she's babysitting for, right. for that particular night, you can change the numbers. It's really easy. It's on an app. So there are ways, and I totally understand that because we don't have a home phone either. I waited until I got my son his phone before I took the home phone away. The other thing that's really cool is um, Verizon has what they call a home phone. And so, and it's portable and it just uses, it, it uses cellular. So you can have it at home and then you can, so if she really was, this was a business, right? For her, and she was getting like a lot. She could then take this and just, she just plugs it in. And, and uses it at whatever house she's at. And it looks like a phone. What? Yeah. So it looks like a phone, behaves like a cell phone. Yeah. It doesn't have internet. It's a phone. You can only dial. Yeah. And it uses so, your cellular data or your cellular. Data. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I think it's like $20 a month. So I do this for my dad. So he has one at his house, mm-hmm. but you can take it wherever you go. Hmm. And it also has a message machine. So if people wanted to call her for a babysitting job, then they can leave a message and you can hear the message, right? And it, there's no- She, I hope she's not listening to this because she'd kill me if I suggested this <laughs> now. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so so there's lots. So I feel like I have been blessed <laughs> with a lot of trial and error to be yeah. able to share this type of conversation with parents and strategies. And Tiffany was a great example of what I do because sometimes 
we need more. We need more than a program. We need more than something that we can download and look at. And that is something else I offer. I offer strategy group plans. So you can come on a group call and we come up with strategies. Or if you wanted to call me and say, hey, this is what's going on. I've had parents call me with really devastating information that they've found. Mm -hmm. And I help them center themselves first and foremost. Parents, do not lose yourself in your child's chaotic technology world Mm -hmm. because it is extremely difficult. And either your head is buried in the sand, which might be hard for someone to hear, and you don't realize what's going on because good kids are getting stuck in this, or you're so overwhelmed that you don't know where to start. And that's why I'm developing this because I want people to have a place where they don't have to feel like they're alone or too overwhelmed and that they can get some strategies. Mm-hmm. So I help them ground themselves. I help them understand maybe their own trauma that might be coming up. Um, maybe the, their own things that they're, they're resistant on first so that then they can go calmly to their child. Cause I'm talking, I have had parents call me middle of the day, middle of the night, oh my gosh, my kid has been watching death videos. I don't know what to do. Or, oh my gosh, I found out my daughter was sending inappropriate pictures. What do I do? Mm -hmm. I'm going to like kill them. I'm going to take all the stuff away. I'm going to lock them in the room. And that's, that's, that's not going to work. Right. There's certain boundaries. We do have to come down quickly, but sometimes I just have to tell the parent, is your, is your child home with you right now? Cause you're both safe. So take a breath. You're both safe. Yeah. What's happening right now is horrible. It's ugly. It sucks, but you're safe. So let's start there Mm -hmm. and then let's come up with a plan so that um, you don't cause more disruption and more trauma with your child by coming down too hard to where you shut them off and then they don't tell you really what you need to know because what you found might not be what you really need to know. Right. I hope everyone can hear the uh, the value in like the unbelievable value in what you are bringing to this world, Gina, <laughs> and how approachable you are and calm. You're like that calm in the storm. <laughs> you know, I have been through so much. If people listen to my the first um, the first podcast of my life that through that, I can't judge anyone. I, every family's different. Every child is different. Every situation is truly unique because we are all created unique. There's just a theme through all of that, right? There's some strategies that can work no matter what the situation is, but there isn't any judgment of how fast somebody can move through the process, right? What boundaries, and, and you're all, and we all do this learning stuff and learning challenges is always a cycle. We take two steps forward, we give in, step back, and then we realize we gave too much to our kids. And now we have to go back and apologize and say, oh, I let you have this. I got to take it away now. I'm sorry, you're gonna be mad at me, but these are the things I've learned about it, right? So I go, my one of my handouts that I'm creating now is really how to manage even loading and what you think about before you load an app on your child's device all the way through when you have to remove it. 
because they all have components that need to be thought through. So that's one of the things I do. Can I take a couple minutes and just tell you my two top questions I'm asked a lot? Absolutely. Okay. So one of them is, what do I do if I find something that's scary or that they broke a rule? And how do I manage the amount of time to to discipline or, or something like, so what do I do when I find something? So first of all, I told you, step back, take a breath, ground yourself, right? And then you need to think about what they're, be curious as to why, like, what need were they trying to meet by breaking this rule? So sometimes we think we're just so mad that they went and got an Instagram account and they know we don't want to, and we go to the worst. We think now they've looked at porn or now they've been in contact with somebody, right? Because they broke a rule, but we want to be more curious. We want to say, what is it they needed? Because a lot of times what it is that they needed is connection they're lonely, right? So really be approach that with being more curious and setting maybe some more boundaries around the devices, but not fully taking them away. If it's something that you can't set a boundary around, then maybe you have to take the device, right? Yeah. But I would say it's stopping and looking at this really objectively and not just initially responding and coming down too harsh. Mm-hmm. Let's see, my other question was, uh, how do we set them up to earn time to play on devices? Or how do we manage the time, right? Mm-hmm. My, the first thing is you have to be aware of how much time, because sometimes we think that we are aware, but we have, I, I go through this, I have an exercise that families can go through to really be aware of how much time that kids are on devices. And so understanding that and then how to track it and have the kids track it have them they can tell that you. was very alarming Gina when I learned that oh my lord I almost fell over dead when you taught us that <laughs> for myself oh. yeah yeah and so track that first and figure that out and figure out how much they're playing because let's say they're playing eight hours you're thinking four <laughs> yeah. and then you come up with something like five you, you know you tell them they can have five hours you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall they're gonna have a freak out they're gonna lay on the ground crying Mm-hmm. because you, you, you started too much. So you have to be more aware of how much time, and then you have to slowly cut it back and you have to replace it. So I have a, a process that I, that I share on that. Um, and as far as earning time, so, so, so in our family, we have a base set of time. You have this amount as your base time. Each kid's different. Don't get stuck that all kids have to be the same in your family. Cause that's just not reality. Each kid has a base time that they get in our family. What we do is we have a base set of time and each kid gets a different set of base time. So it's dependent on, on your kid and your family and everybody's different. And then we include a way to earn extra time. And then we have a, a, a process and a plan around how they could lose time, right? Mm-hmm. And so the kids, as they get older, need to be in more control over that and more managing their time and paying attention to it and having the devices shut down when they, when they need to shut down on their own. And the goal in that is to help them to learn those boundaries and to learn self, self-time management, right? So there isn't, it's a formula that is really dependent on your own children and their learning dis- you know, capabilities and their behavior capabilities. Um, but if you structure it with, here's your set time, you get an hour, let's say, 
or two hours on the weekend. That's your set base time. I'm not going to take that time. That's your set base time. And then you can earn more. And if you earn more and I, but I can take away that earnings if you decide to be mouthy or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that gives the kid a little bit more stability. They feel like not all their time can be taken away. You know, we know that trying to control behavior through always negative consequences and not positive cons, you know, positive reinforcement is difficult. So um, that seems to be really helpful mm-hmm. in our family. So that that's how I usually respond to that question. So I wanted to end with two things with you, Tiffany. One of them is, is that um, a part of a bonus through my program is um, collaborating with Craig and you know, Craig, right? And you have interviewed Craig, what episode? Do you remember what episode? That was episode 37 with Craig. Yeah. So he um, is extremely talented and has a lot of knowledge around nonverbal communication mm-hmm. and, and even with people that are on the spectrum and difficulties that they, that they have, but it really ties into what I'm seeing come out of our teenagers and our young people now is that they are lacking in a lot of these same skills. And in a sense, not to minimize people that are truly diagnosed on a spectrum, but in a sense, they are on a learning spectrum because Mm -hmm. they don't have these skills and they don't have the empathy. They don't have the understanding of um, verbal communication. And I am talking, I've talked with many employers that are um, having to hire coaches to help them even know how to manage these young people coming out of college that don't have the skill of communication just basic communication and following through and directions and all of that. So it truly is an issue that's coming up. And so with Craig's help, him and I are collaborating and developing some stuff together that will help parents as their teenagers come through this and out of it and help the young adults to to make that shift. So that was one thing I wanted to share. And the other one is that, you know, my whole goal here today in sharing my other podcast really is that I'm hoping that my story can be somebody else's survival guide mm-hmm. and that they can learn from me and dodge the bullets, right? Dodge the accidents, dodge the shipwrecks. And so one of the things recently that's come to me is to really view myself and my services as being a lighthouse. Mm-hmm and shining that light so that people don't navigate the wrong direction or fall asleep at the wheel. And so that's really why I'm taking the time to to share with you and to share with others. The collaboration, first of all, with Craig, if you haven't heard episode 37 with Craig, (laughs) go listen, and then listen to 38 and 39 with Gina and I cannot even begin to say what an amazing collaboration that is with both of you. And I absolutely see how that will be a need going forward in this environment that we're in, like with the technology and what it's doing, right? And what it's causing in a lot of our young kids. So I, I cannot wait to see what you two do together. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And we all met each other in made to do this. And this is like, this is the kind of stuff that's come out of it. And it's, I think it's just divine and it's meant yes. to, meant to happen. Right. Definitely. Definitely. 
So where can people find you and what you are putting together and what the next steps are for people? Yeah. So the best place right now to find me is um, services.informationalimpact.com. So that's services.informationalimpact.com. And that will have um, a place where people can sign up on my mailing list and learn more about me. There's a, a page about me a little bit more about my background, tech background and all that. And uh, from there, they can join my, my Facebook group as well. Perfect. I'll put those links in the show notes so that you could just go right to the show notes and, and find Gina there. So thank you again, Gina, honestly, this series, this, these last three episodes with you have been truly, truly beautiful. You are one of my dearest friends. And I know that sharing your story has not been, you know, like an easy experience or comfortable, but I know that your heart meant everything that you said, you know what I mean? Like it just, you, you did it for a, a bigger purpose and it's to help other people and it's to be of service to other people. And I truly believe that you are going to help so many families, parents, kids. I'm just so grateful that you came on my podcast to share your business. Thank you, Tiffany. I really just care so much about you as well. And I just really think this is um, a great opportunity that you've provided for me. And I really appreciate you and what you've been doing with your podcast and the people that you're reaching. So many stories and so much help out there. There is. All right, people go check out Gina right now. Okay. (laughs) So if you get inundated, it's supposed to happen. All right. Thank you. Take care, Gina. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Gina. I am truly, truly so grateful for you sharing your hard, beautiful journey with me and my audience and for being a lighthouse for so many. You are going to help families in such a beautiful way. And I am proud of you and the work that you are doing. Again, Gina can be found at services.informationalimpact.com and the link will be in the show notes for you. Please know that there are resources and people like Gina out there to help you and your family. You don't have to do this journey alone. We're meant to help each other through this life. So find your lighthouse or be one for someone else today. Until next time, Please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.